and the music swells when the heroic Finns are marching and the music swells exactly the same way when the Finns are getting blown to pieces or somebody does a heroic deed and blows uh, Ruski to pieces and precisely precisely Welcome to the Flick Club. I'm Corri. And I have a co-host. He's Henrik. Welcome back to the show. I, I guess neither one of us just have any goddamn life. <laughs> back in the trenches, indeed. We have now covered all of the three unknown soldier movies from Finland, which are more about the continuation war in Finland. But today, dear listener... We have some more for you, but from the Winter War era, specifically. This is the Winter War. I I think this is the war if you want to talk about something, you know, patriotic about Finland. And the Winter War, which is based on a Finnish award-winning writer Antti Tuuri's book of the same name. And he's known for writing some material about his province of Ostrobothnia in Finland. And a very valued and an an award-winning writer in Finland. Some of the books have also been translated into several languages. Winter War was a film that once again Finnish Broadcasting Station Yle has rerun like a couple of times. All things considered, Winter War is a movie that has surprisingly little presence in, in Finnish broadcasting. Or in the Finnish war cinema discussion altogether. It's like Winter War's treatment is is the prime example of of the of the cloud that that unknown and especially Edwin Linus unknown has in in Finnish film discourse. Mm, I kept thinking about the same thing. Like this has to be the first time that I've even seen this movie. Yeah, I was. I was aware of it, but it just was like, oh, oh yeah, there is this Winter War movie also there somewhere. Maybe we should discuss it. Maybe it, it's telling something about the general uh, level of this fatigue of of war movies or movies of the unknown soldier type. We now have not less than three of these movies, and the Winter War very much follows the, the similar structure as the unknown soldier films or the novel for that matter haven't read the winter war novel but in the sense that there is not that much story to tell it's just there to share you the kind of experience from the trenches and that's all especially in winter war's case there's nothing to tell i actually have to contradict you there i i think that when it comes to story specifically telling a story winter war actually tries to tell a more story than than what unknown did and this comes into in due to the film's kind of the point of view like with unknown what you have you have an ensemble cast that goes through the war you have all these characters and 
you basically you are not really given one specific like this is your main character and that's perhaps something that can well de depending on your taste even work as a detriment towards the unknown because it's kinda since every character is is more or less equal at least for the big five of the characters it also also means that uh, kind of when it comes to point of view when it comes to actually telling a story it kind of all, all gets buried or under all the characters there's too much characters for unknown to have a coherent like simple structured narrative narrative in it and winter war on the other hand it very clearly is a story of of one person and that's the the older brother who even though it it does partly it does do the unknown thing like once again you have a large cast of characters here but it's never unclear that you do have an actual main character who is your point of view guy into the entire film and who is the one you are supposed to be following throughout the movie okay i had i had the completely different feel from this movie that yeah it, it's doing the unknown thing that you have several cast of characters and no doesn't have a lead character it's just a bunch of guys that you follow and you don't have like an emotional core center as a character this is kind of flows on with the battle scenes yeah well you know you you have the the older brother marty hakala mm. who well clearly in in my opinion like is is your point of view character here the film opens with, with marty and mm. the main emotional weight or gamble is given upon marty's shoulders you have the younger brother and you have to see see him through through this war please bring him back home safely and all, all that noise and then even even though that the movie has a really large cast of characters you still continuously the exploits you are, you are following are marty's exploits and even though there is a whole bunch of finnish soldiers dying here marty's brother's death is kind of put on pedestal it's supposed to be more weightier death that's the de one death that they that people actually comment on Every every other death here is just where well, here's the guy and he died and perhaps somebody does a remark remarks with one line to that death or like if if it's an officer somebody quotes they killed our officers but when it comes to mainly mainly the the deaths here they are talked about as in general they talk about we have lost boys, meaning we have lost men men in the war. Every other death, except Marty's brother's death, is like, we have lost boys. We have lost boys. They, they have taken so many boys from us. But Marty's brother's death is the one where you see the coffin, and it gets commented back in, in home. And, well, Marty also is... Well, in the same way as Marty is the character who opens the film, Marty also is the character who is there to close the film. Like, the, the very final moment, the final moment, the moment just before the piece, get, uh, the piece gets, gets, gets signed, it 
mostly it's just about you know Marty's point of view and kind of Marty's psychological torment during the, the like the, the last minutes or the last seconds before the news of the peace finally reach like the front line where they currently are at and everybody can see is fighting so i like i i sturdily stand behind my stance that that marty hakala is the point of view character that we are given i did pay notice to the fact that it starts with the brothers leaving for war but after that you know they're they just seem to be just one of many don't really stick out in any any particular way to me certainly didn't feel that there was any emotional pull particularly to any deaths there's the one scene where where there's the you know funeral ceremony i believe and in that way the the film is trying to then communicate you know that the power of that death i guess but uh, went to you know death ears here just completely flying past me like kind of the rest of the movie which just comprises of endless battle scenes communicating the fatigue i guess and uh, communicating the fatigue here at the audience well that's that's surprising because i have entirely different take okay of of this film and what i i perceived the film was trying to do well at least in the unknown soldiers case i felt that there was well let, let's say that the characters have as much character as in the winter war but in unknown soldier you you can really highlight specific scenes okay here are the soldiers standing next to the bombing when the airplanes go past them or here's the scene where they're crossing the the river or the lake with the boat or there's a lot of scenes scenes like that but i can't highlight anything in particular about the film except the the way that it is shot it is more interesting to watch than at least the first two unknown soldier films i give it give it that much i give it also the kind of a first person views that we get of the like for brief moments only but there are these moments where you're looking from the soldier's perspective what is happening and somebody is trying to attack them with the gun uh, just on the close range in these knife fights hand-on-hand combat i think there's just plainly more variety in in all of the the, the colors the way that it, it is shot i could come into a middle point and agree that it's perhaps more it's it's more actively shot than what edwin Linus version was yeah but i actually think that when it comes to cinematography or when it comes to challenging the way how you shoot a film i do think that Malberg actually is is more renegade and is is kind of pushing the boundaries more than what winter war is my my take was that winter war kind of altogether it, it falls into well between edwin linus and Malberg's unknowns it's it's kind of like it it wants to be like cinematography like cinematography and visuals wise it very much wants to be like Malberg's unknown it wants to be like the, the gritty gritty realistic war film and 
at the same time, like, when it comes to the film's ethos, it's more strongly tied into Edwin Lyness unknown. Or perhaps even better, that the perceived notion of Edwin Lyness unknown. Hmm. Hmm. I just found that it was just a big continuous battle scene and you couldn't even well establish where we were time-wise. There's no time frame. There are some random comments like, oh, I hope you guys will be able to keep the line or advance at least until Tapanin Päivä. And then, no, otherwise it's a kind of a blur where they are, when they are, what's happening, how, how is the war going. Obviously, we know that for the most of most of the time, there are like way more Ruskies than the Finns can handle. That's the big communication throughout the film. They are just overpowered by sheer mass. They're not able to fight back because of just mere numbers, which is, of course, you know, heroic and all that. And there's moments of, you know, individual heroic scenes. I don't know why and if this is really sh- uh, fair and if it makes any sense for some of these guys to, to do what they're doing. Sure, war is chaotic. Probably something like this happens. One guy just gets up from the trenches and starts to fire at 150 Ruskies. Makes no same sense whatsoever. Maybe this is trying to look for some stylistic visually, some st- style that is more appealing to you know, the wider audience. I know that this was... You know, the, the Finnish entry into the Oscars and didn't get picked. But yeah, and I can say good things about the acting as well. I, the, the, the acting here might be even the best out of all these four films. And there's there's no these weird quirks that there usually are, that you are hearing this you know very literary language, which shouldn't be there. And... Most of the time, you know, even if the bad performances are a little wooden, I, I'm I'm able to, you know, continue watching it. It's it's not uncomfortable in any way, and <laughs> I guess that, that's something to be said about the <clears throat> acting level or the weird type of acting that we sometimes do. I, on the other hand, felt that this was, well, not because of the acting, but otherwise, this was perhaps the most uncomfortable film to watch from these these four, for like from, from this one and, and the three different unknowns. Okay, uncomfortable. How how do you find it uncomfortable? As in- this, this is the one that, well, it, it tries to do two, two things. Uh, it... Uh, and both of these, uh, in my opinion, kind of stems from the fact that the first and foremost thing that I believe that Winterborn is trying to do, it tries to be some type of a commentary or reputal to Morberg's unknown. It's it's kind of it's a film that tries to say that to Morberg that you did it wrong, and this is how you were supposed to do it kind of case i kind of felt it, that too but yeah maybe that's i don't know if, if that's fair but can't help thinking these things you know 1985 is when unknown soldier came out and this four years later yeah and seeing how thematically these are in my opinion completely different type of films 
like not not structurally what, what you said about said about the film kind of just everything blending together it just being one big battle and being hard to to follow what happens that that stays true but when it comes to basically what the film wants to to say to you i i think that these are completely in different ends Malberg was very much doing this extremely critical anti-war movie mm-hmm. Malberg was looking back at what Edwin Lyman most likely was trying to do with, with his unknown where, where he was trying to to have an anti-war film but he did it in in time for in, in a time period and he came from a perspective where he really couldn't do it like the, the, the what i mean is is that edwin linus person there they reportedly or legendary there is small things that the audiences were supposed to take sarcastically like for example the finlandia playing at the end of of edwin linus film mm-hmm. it was supposed to be like like you you were supposed to listen to it sarcastically it was supposed to be an anti-war statement and absolutely nobody gets that from from that film. The film is is has too much of a heroic Finn storyline going on it, and the the ending music with Finlandia it's too patriotic. So it's more line of trying to like like criticize the war with that that ending. It's just something that does not shine true. And then in in Malberg comes in. And he most definitely makes certain that he will not repeat Edwin Linus' mistake. And he makes so blatantly anti-war film that you can't miss the message. Mm-hmm. Like the, their, the, the Finnish trenches are being depicted almost hein, in a heinous light. And now you have Winter War, which takes several pages from, from Malberg's Critically realistic war film playbook and uses them in the context of once again re-strengthening the heroic Finn myth. This is very yeah. much a film about how how hero- heroic the, the Finnish offense was du- during the war to a point where in fact the depictions of the film paint the movie as they paint the film as a, as Marty Hakala's hero tale. It, yeah, I got this feeling too that it's kind of starting to or feels like some kind of an antidote to the to the Malberg film, which did get some you know critical message as well that some weren't really a fan of that kind of a take, and this is uh, the way to get the heroic and patriotic message again loud and clear. And sometimes it is indeed too loud and and clear. Despite, you know, all this heroism in the film, I think the film hasn't really garnered the big reputation that maybe Line and Mollberg's films have. Because, you know, despite being heroic, it is also about the Winter War. And it doesn't shy away from the fact that, in the end at least, that yeah, Finland kind of didn't come on top of that situation. There, there was the Moscow, Moscow Treaty, and at the end of the film, as you see, you know, it's the the Ruskies saying hooray that they they did it, 
and they've changed changed the border. So it's probably I, not really? some. Uh, it's probably not a material that you would be, you know, happy to play during the Independence Day versus something like I don't know, unknown soldier. Even though the same situation eventually, but just the way that it ends perhaps is a way for all the ultra patriotic people out there to criticize the film. I really didn't take the the ending. In, in that light. To me, the, the Rask is celebrating must, must nothing more than, you know, the Rask is celebrating the end of the war. Altogether, when it comes to... Like, I, my, my opinion is that the film goes really heavily. This one really heavily tries to avoid stating out the obvious that Finland lost territory as a result of, of the peace that we, we wrote. At the end end of winter war, uh, like it it is like the, the land losses are are a thing that get, gets mentioned at the early stage of the film. That's before they even reach the front, when when the military higher ups are are saying to them that that Russia is demanding land from us and they can demand all they want, but it's hard to come and take it. Mm-hmm. And then absolutely nothing is said about where actually that the lines go and what is is being lost what is being gained like victory and and land mass wise it kind of makes sense because that the whole story stays in in this one one front line and we never actually leave this one specific specific trenches this is supposed to take during the in in the Taipaleen taistelut mm-hmm. and and more specifically like like the Taipale river region and that's so so it's understandable that we are locked into these very specific trenches and we never actually get out of them and it's kind of reasonable that when it comes to what Finland has to give in in the peace, it's something that is not brought up between the discussions of the soldiers inside these trenches. It's like like narrative wise or, or realism wise quotation marks. It's kind of understandable, but at the same time, when the film makes the decision that it does not comment on on these things, where it never actually says exactly what Finland loses in in the peace treaty, it kind of actually takes the whole land loss thing and just shoves it under underneath the rock. It's kind of a like, it's the situation where it tries to, to get into and the rest of them lived happily ever after the end ending just just like, like one page before you would reach there. And these were the land territories that Finland lost thing. Yeah, it's more from the soldiers' perspective, just what they went through, and so it doesn't really give any time for any of the the politics. I understand it, but the film ends to a brick wall for sure. As soon as the trenches are over, so is the movie, and that's it, whether you like it or not. Yeah, it's. I I think it's a fitting ending for this movie. The problems of the film, in my opinion, they they are more in basically, well, in the ethos of of the movie and not so much how the film ends. 
My, my problems are more like with the opening of the film and what gets carried over from, from the opening than actually with the closing of the film. I do think that when it comes to... Well, when it comes to my modern perspective of the war and my modern critical perspective of the war, the ending actually works better with, with me mm. than, well, what the opening opening did. The opening is kind of a sore thumb here where, where I, I I think that the film plays basically lays down its its core message already in, in the first shots. Where the the film gets all, into this almost almost like Arnold Schwarzenegger action <laughs> movie esque pathos get going on. You you have the close ups of, of of grabbing the guns like like in Goddamn Schwarzenegger's Commando, and and then the, the music that swells dur- during the like like the opening credits of the movie. It's also one, like one of those. Like, oh, it's almost like action mu- well, movie music then mm-hmm. it all, all kind of kind of gets toned down once they once they get the trenches hit the trenches and after that the, the music mostly plays to to create this like like suspenseful you don't know what the pastors at at the other side are currently doing feeling yeah and then the ending which kind of gets weird i i I felt that it was it was attempting to to kind of describe our main character's headspace by by doing that that apocalypse now thing, so to say, yeah, and there's... then it ends. And I was kind of well, like I said, I was I was more happy with the ending than perhaps was with the opening of the film. Me, yeah, can be questionable if there were exactly that kind of popular heroic feelings towards the whole war that oh seems that Rusky might be on the loose let's just grab my gun and get on the get on the battlefield I'm all for it here I come with all the guns blazing type of thing regarding the music there's like two or three tracks in the entire film perhaps it's something to be said that that the music well it's it's a bit heroic perhaps it's a little plain Maybe it's a little, it might not be fitting and might not really fit as being like a repeated theme throughout the movie. Somehow, just, just no. It, um, I think there's something to be said for the, you know, silence as well, or not playing music. Something that seems to work pretty well with, or just keeping the guns blazing and listening to the, and real sounds, so to speak, that you would experience in the battlefield instead of, you know, this this, this heroic pieces blasting. Yeah, I, t- I took that also kind of as a post-Morberg thing happened. Mm. Like, I've been reading Susanna Valimäki's book, How the War Plays, or How the War Sounds, Miten Sota Soi. And what, one of the points that gets strongly brought up in, in Valimäki's book is the fact that War films, they use sound, and they especially they use music extremely like propagandistically. Yeah. Film altogether, film altogether uses music in order to invoke feelings in in its audience. That's why, like, one o one film film sound theory. So use use music 
to invoke feelings yeah. and to create emotional connection between the film and the audience. No yeah. mind, mind, mind's blown there. But, and like all, all together, every, all films does do this. It's perfectly fine. The point that Valimaki, however, points out is that since war movies by de facto very much are they, well, they are about war, which is about, you know, heroes and losers. They, they are perceived good guys, perceived bad guys. To, to take Winter War, we, uh, the film we finish, we see as ourselves as the, the scrubby underdogs who, without any fault of their own, gets a- attacked. So we are the, the underdog good guys, the Ruskies are the bad guys, as we are. Mm-hmm. That, that much is true, absolutely. But that's also the stance of, of every every Finnish war film. So when when the music comes in and when the music starts to support the film's messaging, the music itself plays a role in in strengthening this this divide between the good and the bad. And in doing so, yeah. the music in war film starts to do war propaganda. Mm. And the music swells when the heroic Finns are marching and the music swells exactly the same way when the Finns are getting blown to pieces or somebody does a heroic deed and blows a Ruski to pieces and uh, it's just it just doesn't Precisely. work yeah, Precisely. yeah. It's just, somehow it just felt a little forced <laughs> to say the least it, it does, it does that was my problem with it also especially in in the like i already mentioned the opening but i i think that the opening is like one of the standout moments when the film does this mm. yeah especially in in the strong heroic sense that the music hits heroic notes in its opening and i do think that the main track that gets played in the trenches there, there are the heroic moments in the music also, but I do think that mostly what the music repeats is is like the suspense track, yeah. so to say, quotation marks. Yeah. And I kind of feel that this is partly, once again, because Malberg made an anti-war film, because... So something that was prophetic for, for Malberg was that there was no music in that film. But coming for the film, the, the, the few notes that you have was an instrument that some soldier play or played or, or some record that was playing somewhere. But the, music itse- the film itself does not have like a background music. Hmm. It's musicless movie in, in that regard. So to me, what Winter War is trying to do, it, it kind of tries to do that, which is the reason why it has so few music tracks at the end. Like you counted four, I'm not entirely certain, but like I, I couldn't exactly count how many music tracks, tracks there were. But you know, that's how you, your like. number sounds extremely correct. Yeah, I'm three or something. I'm ready like. to believe that there was only four. So we have little music because Molberg, but at the same time, the music, the film kind of is too scared to be absolutely musicless because it, once again, it, it has to steadfast avoid making Molberg's um, quote-unquote mistakes and accidentally make an anti-war film instead of your heroic Finns movie. Yeah. Well, something to be said about the 
uh, because I've always been touching on this, haven't I? Like how how the Russians are depicted, how the enemy is depicted in these Finnish war films. Are they the the faceless, unknown, scary monsters in the shadows, or are they more face to face? Are they humanized? Are, are they the devil, <laughs> or are they on the on the same level as you know as humans on the film? And sure, when you're shooting from the trenches, you usually have a distance, and you might most of the time experience your enemy from a distance so it stays like that you know kind of anonymous you shoot from a distance you don't really care what you're shooting at might be a deer might be a rusky in a sense that you know you take emotional distance from the whole charade whereas well we have some more close combat in this film we have some of the faces look terribly finished by the way and they always are wearing beards for some reason, because I guess Ruskies have beards. But we have those close combats and the the camera following from the Russian perspective, so to speak. We have some of these shots behind the Russians, where the camera is kind of following them from right to left, and then cut back to the left to right motion of the fins. There's a little bit more, more of that, and I think... Maybe out of these four films, this this could be... Well, the, the newest Unknown Soldier also did have quite a bit of the, the, the Russian thing going on and going to the, to the villages and uh, experiencing some of those people and actually them talking to you. So it was, it was as good as you could get, I guess, in the Winter War, War the movie. Oh, yeah. uh, uh, once again, I, I have to contradict heavily. Okay, t- tell me. In my, my opinion, these were the most horde mode Ruskies that we get in 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 these four films. This one, this one, three cases of unknown. Okay, could could be like none of these movies, none of these four movies at any point have gone up and beyond to actually show you the Russian perspective. That much is much is true. Yeah. But to me, Winter War kind of loses the game or loses to to the unknowns because of its lack of commentary, which most likely once again stems from from the film's decision. Well, of course, partly for the film's decision to stay in in this to depict this this one spot, the these specific trenches throughout its running time. But also, once again, from the film's mission to reinforce that the story of Finnish war excellence. Because what you have in the unknown, even though you're not really given a Russian perspective, but what you have there, you you have the the army getting into Vibri, and you kind of get the, the civil, like the enemy civilian perspective there. It's also used, like, well, then Molberg comes in and, and uses to actually paint the Finnish army as, as drunken robbers. That that happens, but... And, and the next thing that you have in, in all of the unknowns is the execution of the one Ruski that, that has surrendered. And you have, have the criticism of that execution. You are not supposed to shoot these guys in the back. 
is what essentially gets said. In in the Winter War, however, well, first of all, the, the civilian perspective is completely lost. But that's understandable because we are in the trenches. But the two other things that are, are not so easily explained away is the fact that, well, in here we also have the shooting in the back moment. And absolutely nobody comments in it. It's the... Mm-hmm. It's the the younger Hakala who shoots two now retreating Russian soldiers in the back after they have tried to attack the Finnish trenches. There has been the, the close quarters combat going on, so it's it's kind of understandable, and in a way, it's it's realistic. Of course, like it's absolutely realistic that in in war war scenario, you actually shoot the enemy in the back. It's also quite realistic that. No, your comrades are not going to actually give you any any yap about what you did, and it's just quietly okayed by everybody. But still, still, when it comes to actually giving like giving face to the the Russians, well, that that really works counter to that. Like show, show like you you not commenting. Well, what and in that moment is borderline battlefield executions. And another thing that Winter War does, and this is the thing that Winter War alone does specifically out of these films, is the fact that it actually, like, hands down comments how you can't actually differentiate between the Ruskies and your own. Which, of course, partly you can take it in a way that it humanizes the, the Russians. You can't differentiate between between a Russian and a Finn. And partly, yes, it, it works in, in the name of realism. The the line is is thrown out in, in the nighttime moment when the Hakala brothers are uh, keeping guard at, at the trenches. It's night, they see few guys in the middle of the battlefield, and they are kind of like, should we shoot or should we not? And the older Hakala is like, you, you can't tell. Are, are they us or are they enemy? So yeah, 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 the, the realism factor is, is heavily in here also. But it also literally makes the statement that you can't differentiate the Rus Russians. They, they are so faceless. And this is more, more or less supported by then the action scenes where you get the, the, the horde mode Russians just, just trying to storm the, the, the trenches and forming these, these meat walls that our, our heroes just have to empty their guns at. Yeah, quite a few things there. <clears throat> the focus, focus point, focal point, that's always something that a movie does. It cannot be avoided. Everybody has one. Uh, it's always a picking and choosing what you're gonna show. Whether it's gonna be Mulberg and quite, you know, he, he made a quite conscious choice, of course, to depict Finns also not being the perfect soldiers all the time. That's, that's a conscious choice. There's also the unconscious choices. But there's al always... You know, there's a lot of choices that you make and, and that's how the film is going to look like. Finnish perspective here, it's understandable. After all, it's a Finnish movie. It doesn't make any statement. It doesn't have to do like a like a fair depiction if there is such a thing. 
And then there's the Finnish hegemony, the Finnish patriotism in these films and in Finnish thoughts and hearts. It's understandable. At the end of the day, feeling that much of, you know, that the patriotism towards these two wars. I, I find it interesting because even the the war vet- veterans that you might listen every now and then, very few of them now, um, but you listen to people who were perhaps as kids in the war, such as my grandfather when he was around. You listen to the things they they perfectly know what was the situation on on both sides, of course, in a way that you know here here's the the small country of Finland who are at least for the most part they are quite willing and patriotic and willing to defend their territory at all costs wasn't always the case though and then 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 you have your enemy, which is a bunch of Russians that have been just commanded to come to the front and and take over this area right here because of reasons. Sure, there was propaganda fed to them why they might be why they might have to take it over, but there's just no heart in that whole procedure on their part. And then let alone all the weaknesses in their equipment during during the winter. Finland had an upper hand there, obviously. Their experience uh, in wintertime action, Finns were well prepared for that in in the war, understandably. They used, you know, skiing as some kind of tactics over their enemy, things like that. So you have a small country very motivated to defend their country, and then you have the other big country that is less than motivated and and ill-equipped. So... Obviously, obviously, Finns are going to be more triumphant there and more than likely way better educated in the military. And then when it comes to shooting in the back, yeah, well, if you look at the, the unknown soldier and the execution of that one soldier who is shot in the back, that was an unarmed Russian person, whereas here we have a hordes of Russians who are still armed and dangerous. A bit of a different different take in that sense. Yeah, but, but only a bit. War crime is a war crime is a war crime. You're not supposed to do those. Still, there are rules at place. You know, if, if nothing else, shooting your enemy in the back is unsportsmanlike. <laughs> unsportsmanlike. I like that. You, you get, you get few po- fewer points. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, also shooting in the torso, you should, should head start. Less Sylvester points. Enkeli Taivaan. Enkeli Taivaan. Would actually, would someone actually sing Enkeli Taivaan during these horrendous moments? Do, do you think that Finns of those times would, would go for it? Was there enough religious oomph to go into, you know, honest sing, sing, sing-alongs of that kind? Well, seeing how how this was like like still still in the early periods of Finland and it it but we are talking about the thirties and and forties here. Yeah, I can actually very much much believe that they would have had that they would have had like religious ceremonies and and they would have saw a sang religious hymns at the trenches 
during special holidays, like mm. it is here. The the church and the military they kind of go hand in hand even even today. Yeah. So yeah. the the religious connotations are something that are very strongly. I don't know about like like a modern day Finn necessarily. Like statistically, we still are like more Finns are with the church than are not. We are more religious than we are atheistic. But on paper, on paper, yeah, on paper, precisely because what comes goes into those statistics, what most of us are like, like just born and being raised into into the religion, and we don't really have like like the religious relevance. We just kind of hang around, so huh. so to say. But yeah. military is still one of those places. Or when it comes to the Finnish institutions, which is something that military also is. Those still carry the the church and the re- religion with them, perhaps more more strongly than you know your average Finn, more strongly than than you and I. The the church and the religion still are are a thing inside our institutions. Yeah, yeah. Home home religion and and fatherland. Like the three things you are allowed to kill for. Uh huh. And one of those being kept at bay for many Finns nowadays in primary school. Home and fatherland at max, or maybe just home, if that. You know, religion doesn't have a role in many Finns' lives nowadays. Many people don't belong to any any church, and and as a result, it might feel like a quite interesting. When you finally reach the age of 18 and you're called to the army and it, it is quite the religious institution I found, like you said, it's, it's still by, it's still bound into the whole, uh, the whole web of how, how the system works. And it's really, those are events for everybody. And there's the priest who comes to say hi every now and then and maybe the, Everstilutnanti pops up every now and then and, you know, says a few words that God, God help us and God will protect us and all that. Yeah, and, and something to note with that is that, that unlike in, in schools these days, in, in the army, even, well, well not all of the, the, the religious ceremonies, but a whole bunch of, of well, basically the, the the priests' lessons, teachings, lectures, however you want to call them, they are mandatory service for everybody, like you point out. So, kind of the, the, I don't believe in church, get out of free co- jail free card, it does not come into play in those instances. It, it, it does come into a play... It is some of of the ceremonies. Actually, a slight correction, perhaps, in order there, because I do recall that because I didn't belong to the church anymore. I I didn't need to go to any of those, you know, the specific, specifically religious ceremonies in the morning or what what have you, where the where the priest is doing his thing. But there were these, you know, mass gatherings at at the at the yard, for example, and. Those would still have a really religious ethos going through it. Okay, well, 
Can't say anything for your service, where I did mine. The the our like priest had had a whole bunch of these these well, like let's say lectures that mm-hmm. were mandatory for absolutely everybody, and nobody was allowed to skip them. I remember there were some kind of lessons that the you know he would be speaking to everybody. It was veiled as you know something that is really a subject matter for everybody but then yeah like you said there there was a priest but like specific morning gatherings with a religious purpose those were not mandatory yeah there's actually three cuts of this film there's the international theatrical version running 127 minutes an original finished theatrical version which we watched nine uh, 197 minutes and then there's the tv version if you put all the five episodes together you get 275 minutes close to three goddamn hours i would say that i would be curious to see how the shorter international theatrical version has been cut i mean there's so much of this similar material i I would be curious i would probably say that the the shorter the better in this movie's instance where you really don't have story to tell and i'm gonna stick by that Christ, what heresy going on here? What happened to the the mission statement that the version we want to see every single time is, is the <laughs> longest possible take of any film? So did you watch the TV series? <laughs> no, no, I couldn't find it. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the Finnish theatrical version is, is readily available. Well, readily and readily. It's, it's mm-hmm. not like, like necessarily still... Even that ain't, ain't super common in, in Finnish film circulation, but that at least does have a DVD print of it, and also yeah. Blu-ray. So that's something yeah. that you can you can buy. I was I was trying to look for, even though I did this extremely quickly, but I was trying to look uh, like purchasable version of, of of the TV series, and I couldn't find it. Okay. Right after I, I, I state this one out, somebody posts the the link into into an e-store which is selling the TV TV show. Yeah, I did read that there has been a two DVD release of the TV series in some kind of a pan scan format, I, I suppose. But you know, in very short supply. Now that I think of it, we should probably watch a few movies about the Finnish Civil War at some point. Maybe the next Independence Day or what have you. And if there's someone in the audience who thinks that it wasn't a civil war, oh boy, we're going to have some discussion about that because it was a civil war. Well, Certainly not going to use the propaganda name Freedom War or Vapaussota or anything like that. In fact, now that you mention it, that is something that gets pl- in into play in in Winter War, where they, yeah, a a they they specifically show you that, or they specifically they make make a point. They make extremely strong point of, of the fact that the Hakala brothers both served in the Civil War, and more specifically that they served on on the white side against the reds and the, uh, this is being brought up as as kind of a good point they they get better gear because of that and before they reach the trenches 
there are more characters that have taken part in in the civil war and their heroism at civil war gets commented on positive light here mm-hmm. then there's that older so- soldier and, and one of the officers com- comes to meet him and it's like, oh, we have met before, and and the guy is like, yeah, we we did it back in the beginning of the Civil War days. It was, what was it? The fights of Hunk, or where was he stationed? Yeah, 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 things like and, that, and a st- a stuff like that. And more specifically, this film does call it the Independence War. Independence. I, I heard the about so that the Freedom War term at least. Yeah, the well, well fr- Freedom War. The same play thing. I, I was thinking about Wapausada. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. These things are never, you know, black and white. There's more to the whole... The, there's more to the whole war than just uh, the, the Russian influence and uh, Russian propaganda on, on the Finland. But you know... Well, you know. not if, if you would believe this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it does try to do... It does try to do the unknown thing here like unknown soldier has a number of characters who fought in on the side of the reds during the finnish civil war and this point of view gets gets brought up in in course of the unknown story a couple of times so you can say that the reds did have a presentation in unknown and also quite fair presentation in the in the unknown they are not shown to be like they they get a number of scenes where they get to comment their own perspective and also their own feelings of that war mm. especially once again with with Malberg, who gives even even stronger emphasis on on the lines when it comes to you know capitalism to this and the capitalist is sending us to die on the battlefield all all of these which is part of the red 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 rhetoric and was was back in the day. So in in the Winter War film, on the other hand, the Reds get exactly one moment. Yeah. Where in the it's train like ride. Blink. Yeah, in the during the train ride where it's blink and you miss it. It's it's literally one line. And it's negative. And that's the entire red perspective versus the white perspective that you are being given, like almost into the through the entire opening of the film. And then once the war gets going on, when they, they slowly drop it. But there, there is a heavy, there's a heavy difference on how Winter War and how the Unknown Soldier sees the Finnish Civil War. Absolutely. Special mention for an actor goes to. Ah, uh, I'm gonna grant my mind to to Vesavirko. <laughs> For me too, Vesa Vierikko for being unable to stay away from Finnish war movies. Yeah, plays the second lieutenant Kandola here, which is a name that, since we are international, absolutely says nothing to our audiences. <laughs> but that's the character he plays. But we always strive to give you the you know the authentic names and the character names, and even if we can't pronounce them. Bring to attention some very small role in the film that you found somehow worth highlighting, small or big or whatever. Well, I, w- I would say Samuel Edelman as, as Haapasalo, <laughs> which was so early in, in Edelman's career that e- Edelman even today does not get a pinning 
when when the names of the actors are listed in in the front cover of the film and once again to to, to international audience Samuel Edelman is is like a hot ticket Finnish actor th- these days mm, I'm just gonna go with the steadfast performance of this film the Finnish snow järkkymätön kaatumaton what resonated with you the most or the least I would say it's the gritty details that we have here. Perhaps the standout element of of this movie, when especially when, or also when comparing it against the unknowns. Yeah, what resonated with the most, well, the perform the performances, I think, were kind of a standout in this film. In one adjective, how would you describe the film? Down to earth. Ish, or as a one line. Uh, <laughs> a bore. <laughs> Do you think this film has any staying power or legacy? Will people remember this in a few years? I kind of think that that yes, Finnish war movies where there's quite a lot of those. I actually don't know. I I I. Yes, there, there will be a, like a sliver of a legacy with this one. The, the biggest problem here is that it's already partly, should have quite heavily forgotten. And that might be the thing that works against, you know, this film having a legacy. Yeah. It becomes too obscure and, and like, like, it's one of those films that have to live underneath the shadow of, of the unknown soldier. And that may be the thing that actually robs this one the legacy. Yeah, or it could be just the war film fatigue or this type of storytelling or lack thereof. I I, I don't know if, as it stands, I don't think this will have any kind of a legacy. I think this film is already quite well forgotten in the public discourse. Perhaps it's just a tad too much with the three other films of the unknown soldier at the time too and the fact that that this is a very specific way of storytelling i don't really recall seeing this kind of storytelling lack of storytelling in movies that much even even in war movies which kind of do this thing every now and then but specifically the unknowns and the winter war they just they don't care about the story they, they care about bringing you with them to the battlefield. And that's all. But put the films in order of preference. Where do you put the winner war in comparison to the unknowns? <laughs> it's kind of an unfair question, but I would put this one... Well, the, the unknowns... The first one is, is heavily you know, a battle between Lina and Molberg. So, we'll have, I don't know, perhaps Lina first, Molberg second, close second, a winter war third, and then the unknown 2017 as as four. Most definitely I would put this one between like the two, the first two unknowns and and like the, the most modern unknown. So sacrilegious. I would probably put the Winter War as the, as the last on the bottom out of all this. Not because you know, 
this being inherently worse than the the unknowns but let's just keep it there and i feel comfy inside complete the sentence you really know you're watching winter war when when your pretty war movie gets on a train ride with Schwarzenegger action flicks in order to mock the Freedom War era reds. Oh. You really know you're watching the Winter War when kids die on your screen in sub-zero temperatures while you, as the audience and film critic, are desperately trying to stay awake in your 30 degrees Celsius apartment in the Philippines. Did you like the film? I did at the end of the day. I do have my problems with it. But I, I did like it. I don't know. Lately I have a bit of a film fatigue effect, I suppose. I'm gonna say no, no. It's veering on the no. Would you watch the film again? Yeah. Yeah. At at, at some date. It's it's not gonna be as as like eagerly awaited revisit like when it can be with, with some of the unknowns but I can actually see that I will check it out again at some date mm. in the far future I might try to find a well not particularly find if it just happens to be on somewhere easily available I will watch the two hour version of this film Let's see how that goes. Now, would you recommend The Winter War, Talavisota? I would. It, it's not like, it's, it's not a clear-cut recommendation. I do think that when it comes to this film, it still has something unique to offer. In in this film film's case, the... Where you, you do have some, some standout performances, but the biggest thing that biggest thing that caught my eye was the gritty details at the battlefield. This this is, is the film where they pile dead bodies alongside the, the, the trench and then the rest of the film you can follow how those, those bodies slowly freeze and get stiff. This is the one that, that like, well, the effect certainly is, is kind of goofy and you can actually see exactly how it's being pulled off but this is the one that shows you completely fucked up human body after an uh, after an artillery hit the, the body wouldn't have been that well preserved uh, after the hit as, as it is here right like i said the effect is quite goofy at the end of the day but it does show you that and this is the one that actually has like like once again, it, even smaller, small details like the the helmets that are hanging around, you know, just going alongside the finished trenches, just be, being piled upon these these poles, small stuff like this one, this and it's something that I like. I also quite like how how here the trench is not so much like a trench as it is in in the unknown soldier. Here it's more of a ditch. Mm. But they are fighting, so that that also I I liked that one. However, the the things that kind of work well. First of all, this one is is a story to reinforce the image of a of Finnish excellence to a point where also the whole red perspective 
of the civil war gets thrown under the bus. It's kind of acceptable, but like I, I've made, made a statement how much I like Marburg's anti-war message. So this one kind of rubbed me the wrong way. For me, it's a problem for you, the audience, not necessarily. That the things that are going, in my opinion, are gonna be universal problems for absolutely everybody is, well, this one does have the dulling effect that you mentioned. It, at times, can get quite a chore to actually follow the film, especially the, the longer cuts. Mm. And it's, it, it is impossible to actually say at what point of the war we are currently going on. The film does do this on on purpose, granted. Mm. But at the same time, you know, once the dulling effect hits, it's gonna hit, it's gonna work against the movie. And the second universal problem is all the different unknowns and basically all the other Finnish war cinema. So even though I, I am recommending this one, I do say that, that this film... It has its own personal things, especially, you know, the, the gritty, mentioned gritty details, which does blend this movie something that you don't get elsewhere. And because of that, by all means, check the film out. But at the same time, Finnish war films are kind of a, kind of a thing, even, even, you know, if you wouldn't count count in the absolute umbrella that is the, the unknown soldier, we, we have a quite a large number of for, war films covering the exactly same the same conflict, which does kind of create the situation, why exactly should you absolutely go ahead and check out Winter War, when you can watch all the other films about the same conflict that Finns have made. Yep. So I, I take that still a recommendation. Still a recommendation, but it it is a recommendation that comes off with, you know, that there are things that you perhaps should take into account. And even with my recommendation, perhaps do your own calculations. Do you really want to see this one or will you just check out something else? Yeah. Well, that's kind of my thoughts as well on that. And I think it gets really frustrating after a while. Like you said, at least what I'm saying about the effect of not having a clear timeline, what's happening, where are we, and all that. It gets a little tiresome after a while. I was fully a game to start watching this film in the beginning 15 minutes, but then it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's another unknown soldier in a sense somehow very determined and a very ambitious film but at the same time also yet rep repetitious lifeless may be a little harsh because certainly they are trying to do their thing and make it look as pretty as they as they as they can but there's something there's a certain emptiness there because i don't find i don't find a proper core i don't find that i don't want i don't find a story I find a lot of trenches and endless battles, but certainly for people who are 
you know, really in, into history, I can imagine this is a wonderful thing. For me, however, as far as my recommendation goes, nah, maybe just stick to the unknown soldiers. Yeah, it's kind of the case where obviously the film was not made cheap. No. You have the cast of thousands, especially on the Russian side. But at the same time, the Russians can just, you know, aimlessly run towards the Finnish trenches so many goddamn times until you are already kind of like, I've already seen it. <laughs> and and the one Russian airplane can only do so many air bombings until you are kind of like, okay, it's that plane again. You actually start to think, is this, this are they using the one, only one plane flight? Have they just, you know, shot it from three di different angles and now they are circulating with be, 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 between the few footage from those different angles? Yeah, I kept thinking the same thing. Yeah, that that's kind of the thing that happens. Maybe on purpose, I'm not sure. But the justification for the length of this film comes into into serious question when you just keep doing that. And and I mean, this could as well be a ten minute film. <laughs> yeah, it it does, and I'm not surprised that for the for the Oscars the film was heavily cut, like shortened. Yeah. Because yeah, it, it it is the thing. It's it's hard to say exactly what you are supposed to or, or what would ju justify the entire running time, especially with the TV shows case. Because in here already in in the Finnish theatrical cuts, you get into quite a lot of repetition. And just how many Russians are there actually as as extras? I kept wondering: Am I seeing the same Ruski being killed five times or? Is it just I me? actually like the, the film does not accurately ha the film does not have an a clear count of exactly who plays what Russians and granted my my version is what it is it's it's kind of kind of blurry DVD copy it's it's not like 4K Blu-ray remastering of, of the film. So uh, also that may play into it, but I kept seeing familiar faces amongst the Russians, like dudes who I I could have sworn were, were shot half an hour ago, being <laughs> shot again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but pretty impressive special effects, pretty impressive amount of gore compared to the other, well, to the unknowns at least. I mean, it's quite bloody in in that sense. Definitely, it's not anything for the gorehounds out there. But it's it's more bloody. It's more visceral. It's more violent. And perhaps you can feel that the big budget there more than in Molberg or or lineup version. At times, yeah. But then again, at times it it feels cheaper. Okay. Like you in in here in here you get the the the, the horde or horde of Russians. Yeah. And you you get like a couple of that tanks on screen at the same time, so they they had more than one tank at at the usage. But at the same time, when, when it comes to actually playing with your budget, I do think that Molberg got more mileage out of the money. 
which comes down to well him basically having possibly less expensive but more grandiose looking moments and shots like for example you know when when they are at Viipuri the, the night times when when there are fires burning around the city and and stuff like that where it it necessarily it didn't cost as much as as the wi- making of winter war did but it kind of looks more expensive yeah yeah agreed but henrik where do you want to go next we've done all the unknown soldiers thus far and we've done the win- winter war there are still war avenues we could take plenty of them I was just checking checking how many films have been made in finland about the finnish civil war as as a subject on some some level and the number actually surprised me we could spend here like the next 20 years if we want doing those things but there's one movie those ruka Erventia and and also known as ambush in the english market that's a that's of course a story for the next year what we'll do during the next december it's anyone's guess yeah the next thing i'm i'm where i'm heading <laughs> is on vacation <laughs> god damn I'm, i'm gonna keep keep a christmas holiday from, from the lab right. podcasting even possibly from a film itself <laughs> yeah it looks like that the christmas baubles are are calling us But uh, yeah, dear listeners, what did you think of the Winter War? In case you were able to get your hands on it, and if you bother to look at it, tell us on our social media pages: Facebook user, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course you can also leave us feedback via email. You can check all the other sources of getting Dutch at us on our on our page, which is the FlickLab.com. And our music was delivered to us by Nick Grivel. Well, are we really heading to Christmas break here? And the and the Christmas, not only Christmas, but the New Year's break. Well, I'm I'm fully ready to to actually once again then once again take a take a small break from from film podcasting. This has been the the free lap. This has been once again another violent war film. Just on on the doorstep of of Christmas celebrations, so <laughs> I don't know, listeners. <laughs> Fucking enjoy. <laughs> What's wrong with us? I, I don't know. Perhaps the fact that the first Christmas episode that we did was the, the <laughs> one war film where David Bowie dies. We did it in in pretty clo- closely tying in with David Bowie actually dying in real life. Oh yeah. And and then we yeah, but per- perhaps this is sp- partly that the, the finished nihilism just biting us in the ass. Yeah, then we did come and see the the Russian classic for Christmas. <laughs> Not, nothing to get you more in the Christmas mood, <laughs> especially the the bunny rabbit from Finland. <laughs> gets but you in that, the that was mood. that was honest to God. That was honest to God Christmas film. <laughs> Well, up next, who knows? I still have some ideas up, up my sleeve as usual. We've been doing now 162 episodes, Henrik. Thank you so far. Christ. 
<laughs> been running here since 2018 and I guess what would kill the evil? Yeah, well, you know, that the listeners have tried in the comment space and failed miserably. Yeah, especially so at least not them. Especially shout out to that that woman who commented onto our marketed Facebook post where I it was just some general episode post. Just here, listen to this, this is our latest episode and some American lady goes there and stop posting this shit on my feed. <laughs> So, thank you for that. Americans still trying to figure out how the bloody Facebook works. <laughs> well, uh, it looks like we're gonna see you in January at some point. Can't give you any date right now. Yeah, let's just see how bad the burnout is. <laughs> and, and, and following the burnout, the hangover. With that note, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah or whatever you are celebrating or not. And Happy New Year, if you're celebrating that. Yeah, happy times all together, to absolutely everybody, no matter who you are or where you are. Thank you for joining us. See you when we see you. Signing out.